Hey everyone, welcome back to the Modern Music Marketing Podcast. This is a very special episode because I get to do a talk with the founder of SubmitHub, Jason Grishkoff. I believe I'm saying that correctly. And basically, if you don't know, SubmitHub is a platform that connects artists and influencers or curators. So for example, people that own Spotify playlists, bloggers, YouTube channels that promote music, and, and a whole bunch of other options. But basically, it's a platform just to bring those people together make it a lot easier for curators to handle submissions, to listen to music, and to even make money at the same time. And for artists, it saves a ton of time and it allows the artist to actually be able to learn about the curators before submitting. So it's kind of a win-win for everybody. Uh, this is also available on my YouTube channel, so if you hear any references to um, this being a video, that's why. But anyways, hope you enjoy. Wow, okay, a couple paragraphs about me. Yeah. Gee whiz. Uh... Well, I'm coming to you live from South Africa. I suppose it's not live. I'm coming <laughs> to you pre-recorded from South Africa. And um, I've been, I, I grew up here, but I spent 16 years in the States. Went to university down in San Diego, did some work out in DC. And then I ended up at Google in San Francisco for three years, which was kind of the, the pinnacle of my professional working career. And that was, that was quite a rad job to have. Yeah. One of the reasons I think I got hired, um, well, there were two reasons. Number one, the job I was I was going for was like really niche, executive compensation. Not many people did that, and so yeah. you know, it, it's not like I, I had a lot of competition. Um, and so the second thing, which is actually what I think you know weeded me out from the other twenty people competing for the job, was uh, I had a music blog called Indie Shuffle, which I had started while I was living in D.C. And uh, the people at Google thought that was really cool. In fact, a lot of the people who were interviewing me, three of them were on their way to Coachella later that <laughs> afternoon. And so for them, when I was like, oh yeah, I run an indie music blog. And they're like, oh dope, who should we check out? I was like, okay, cool, well, you gotta check out this, this, and this. And so um, that music blog and the niche experience I had ended up meaning that I, I got a job at Google, which was kind of rad. Yeah. Um, I worked there from 2010 until 2013. And the whole time I was there, my blog, Indie Shuffle, was growing and growing and growing and growing. And um, by the time 2013 came along, I think that was kind of the pinnacle of independent publishing on the internet. Not just in the music industry, but across everything, right? Yeah. Uh, like Facebook had not consolidated advertising. They hadn't figured it out yet. Instagram right. barely existed. Um, if you were an independent publisher on the internet, you were making ad money. Everyone was yeah. switching over from the newspaper, right? And, and they were selling at newspaper rates, which were way overcharged. And so <laughs> I ended up signing this deal with a company called Spin Magazine. They were gonna give me $180,000 a year Whoa. to have complete control of Indie Shuffle's advertising. And I was like, <laughs> peace out Google, right? Yeah, like, yeah. It's I like mean, you've made I mean, it. So point. Google was the sweetest job you could ever have. Yeah. yeah, but but I mean, I still had to wake up in the morning, show up at work, do the stuff I was told to do, go through performance reviews, deal with workplace politics. Mm. And I just had this golden ticket to not do it anymore. So <laughs> I did what any 26-year-old would do, 27. Um, you know, I quit Google and I, I went to Amsterdam to get high for a, a couple months. <laughs> like I booked an Airbnb. I was like, I'm just going to code on Indie Shuffle, bro. And uh, I convinced a friend of mine that he should also quit Google which set him on a whole different roller coaster ride. Um, yeah. But anyway, we, we you know, marched off, left San Francisco, moved to Europe, and I spent uh, eight months up there, 
then came down to South Africa when it started to get cold. And, and it was my first time coming back to South Africa as a grown up to actually live here. And I, I, I fell in love with it. Um, I made a bunch of friends really quickly, found a really cool co-working space and it was just awesome. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, seven years later, I'm stuck down here. <laughs> that's, that's that's the brief what, history. Um, yeah, that's along the way. I started a, a website called Submit Hub, which was which was directly related to Indie Shuffle. It was it was intended to solve a problem that Indie Shuffle had in around you know 2015. We were getting right 300 email pitches a day, and I had to figure out a way around it. So yeah, that's, that's where Submit Hub was born. That's one of the like the most interesting things that I've found about Submit Hub is that. Like when, when I first heard of it as an artist, I was like, who's this like random website that's trying to like make money off me as an artist. And then like over the years, um, especially now being on like the curator side, it's, it's like, it seems so, it's such a practical solution to that problem because, you know, on my YouTube channel, I get a lot of people saying, Hey, can you listen to, to my song? And I do like weekly live stream things, but even, even on submit hub, it's kind of hard to keep track of. So I can't imagine how nuts it would be getting even 50 emails a day from random people with random links. So it's, it's cool that it just started off as this kind of like, I have this insane problem that I need to solve for myself. Um, and I would imagine you had no hopes of ever turning it into this essentially like massive artist tool, you know, it, <laughs> I didn't anticipate it. No. Um, I mean, it was just going to be a cool little coding project on the side that would help Indie shuffle. But I, I guess deep down, I was hoping it, it would turn into something because Indie Shuffle was, I mean, the writing was on the wall at the time that it's an independent publisher on the internet. Like your days are numbered. Um, yeah. I mean, thank goodness I'm not a, like a newspaper with hundreds of employees. But mm. I mean, today you even see companies like Vice and Vox and all of these ones that are, you know, seemingly big and successful. They're laying off everyone because they can't generate the, the money they need to stay afloat. Um, so you can imagine for a small music blog, nah, it's not sustainable. So yeah. for me, Submit Hub was in a way a, a, a last ditch attempt at, at retaining that freedom so that I didn't have to come groveling back to Google and be like, it didn't, it didn't work yeah. out. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, so like, I, I guess the cool thing is that even if you left and failed, they probably think it was just like a super valuable experience. Because I, I, I'm a mechanical engineer by day. And um, it's common for people to come back like they, you know, they leave because they have a cool business idea. They try it and fail. And employers find that more valuable because like they have this mm. all this business experience. And it's it's just it's a different world when you're trying to make it on your own. You know, like everything falls on you. So those skills are incredibly valuable to an employer. But it's it's good that you managed to not have to do that, of course, <laughs> with Submit Hub. Yeah, so far. <laughs> so far, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as, as we pointed out early on, I'm still 34. I've got, I've got plenty of uh, professional career time ahead of me. So, right, right. Um, so, let's see how this roller coaster ride goes. Yeah, yeah. So, in terms of like your, your day to day, like how much time does Submit Hope consume? I, I see you on like the blogger chat portal, I see you on the, the support chat portal, like all throughout the day. And, um, but on the, like the development side, does it still consume much, much time for you or does it kind of run itself? Tons. Tons. Um, too much time is probably the conversation I was having with my wife earlier today. Um, 
Yeah, because you, you just had a kid hard. recently, a couple, in the last couple of years. You had I've got two young kids. Yeah, I've got a two and a half year old and a seven month old. And so my breaks from work are not really breaks, so to speak. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, when I'm not working, I'm dealing with the kids. And sometimes that's fun, but oftentimes it's not. Yeah. Um, not to say it's not fun. It's just, it can be a little tedious at times. Yeah. Um, so I try to spend as much time as I can coding on a daily basis. I reckon I spend half of my day on that, probably wow. doing about nine to 10 hours of work on a weekday. And so probably four to five hours of that are going into code and then four or five hours into customer support and then working with the team. There's, um, four other yeah. team members on, on Submit Hub now. So we're, we're kind of getting a feel for how that dynamic works. And it's a bit new because up until now, it's, it's almost been like me and Dylan just running this. I got really lucky with Dylan. He's, he's a, he's a, a, I think you've probably interacted with him a couple of times, but he's yeah. really smart and a, a self-starter. And he, he's just been able to get things running by himself. And, but for both of us, we found we're getting distracted from what we we do well. In my case, that's like coding and building the product. So we brought on two more people and, and that's got its own growing pains of like, <laughs> you know, getting them up to speed and, and, you know, creating that trust and making sure that we understand how things all work. So right. that I think takes up the other half of my day at this point, but, but coding, coding is still the, the best for me. I enjoy it the most. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Um, so what, I, I don't know if you get a chance to um, to check on my channel, but one of the main things I talk about is um, music marketing for artists, and I specifically focus on Facebook ads, which which I usually recommend is like the number one tool for an artist to promote their music. But what I do tell people is that they should allocate 10% of their budget for Submit Hub credits, and the the reason is because um, you know I found that that like, I guess specifically talking about like Spotify playlists, the, the data you get from playlists, you usually get a lot of streams, but you don't get as much engagement as if you're sending fans directly to a song. Um, but I, I notice a lot, like a lot of artists when I recommend submit hub, like I tell them like avoid, I don't want to name drop a bunch of services, but I tell them avoid these and avoid like playlist yeah. pitching companies. Um, just use submit hub. And a lot of artists will tell me like, I don't, I never got great results with it. Um, I feel like it's just a scam or whatever. And I've had great results with my music on submit hub. Uh, what do you do? I, I think the people that are having bad results are, are probably just doing some stuff wrong. So in, in your experience, um, you know, you obviously have much more, more than me seeing people submit to you, but what's like the number one thing that you feel artists are just wasting their submissions and money on when they, when they pitch to indie shuffle, for example. Pitching the indie shuffle is a bit of a pipe dream. Uh, I mean, we we've got a two percent approval rate, so right. I think if you're going to send to us, you got to have your expectations in the right place and and realize that we we're getting a hundred submissions that day and we're going to blog two or three of them, so your odds of getting approved are, are pretty slim. Um, backing up a bit, the, the I think the response that you see is is varied, right? For some people, they say no, you know, I've, I've had some success. Uh, sometimes it, it doesn't work, but sometimes this does and that. Um, other artists you'll see go, man, that was the biggest waste of money ever. It's a total scam. Yeah. And there's so many factors involved. It all, I mean, it begins with your song, right? Not all songs are created equal. Some people make better songs than others. Uh, in 2020, I would say that 95% plus of the songs going through Submit Hub 
are properly mixed, properly produced, and high quality. So yeah. just having a song that was done well is not going to help you. Um, I often see artists go, you know, my song was mixed by so-and-so and produced by this guy. And, you know, how could you decline that person? It basically means you hate their work. And your song might sound really technically good, but it has to have that, that je ne sais quoi, that, that magical thing that just speaks to listeners, right? So that's, right. that's step one. And that magical thing is impossible. If we all knew how to do it, you know, we, we wouldn't be in this situation. We'd be like those guys who write Taylor Swift songs, right? They know how to do it. Exactly. We don't know how to do it. It, it takes a lot of skill and very few people have figured it out throughout the history of humankind. So that's one of the first things. And then the second one comes down to targeting and, and who you're sending your song to. And I think a big mistake that a lot of people make when they come onto Submit Hub is to, uh, to, to use a Counter-Strike reference, spray and pray, right? And then on the site, they pull the trigger and hope something hits. But the reality is by, by just loosely throwing your credits out there, you're probably wasting them because you're not paying attention to whether that curator is going to like your style of music or is even worth it. So right. um, the, the top tips I'm always going to give people is look at the genre match. It's a score that we create on Submit Hub based on that curator's history within your genre. So that's one of the easiest, most obvious signals you can look at. And anyone with a genre match score below four, you should take a double look at, right? Right. Um, I wouldn't say don't send to them. I mean, I'll give you an example. Indie Shuffle has a genre match of like 2.5 for indie rock. And you go, well, that's kind of weird. Indie yeah. Shuffle covers a shitload of indie rock. And, and it's actually because we get sent so much that we're so picky within the genre that we're actually oh, yeah. less likely to approve it. <laughs> so, so there are cases where it's not the be all and end all, but if someone's got a genre match score higher than four out of five, that's right. um, a strong signal that they're probably worth sending to. And then the other one is to, to look at the approval percentages. So if you're sending to someone with a 1% approval rate, anticipate yeah. that you're probably not gonna get approved, right? Um, You'll often find a lot of the YouTube channels have really low approval percentages because they only upload one or two songs a week, right? Right, and and, and, and they have to actually that, create a video, which you know it has rendering time. They might have to make a visualizer to fit their brand. Where, you know, not to say that a blog doesn't take a lot of work either, but there's like additional rendering time that is expensive in terms of time. There's there's more behind it on on the YouTube side. On the flip side, you've got Spotify playlisters and now um, Instagram influencers on the site. Yeah, and they're much more likely to approve a lot of stuff because the barrier for sharing is much lower. Yeah, the sort of longevity behind it, especially with the influencers, it's a 24-hour story, and it's gone, it's done, and they can go on sharing more stuff. Um, right. Playlisters tend to have, you know, three, four, five, six, seven, ten playlists, and so they can share a lot more music as well um yeah and, and so as an artist when, when i started on yeah. the platform i think i had i had one playlist that met the criteria and i i joined and then like i i had all these other playlists making and i keep making new genres so that i can be able to share more music i like because you know it's not just if the mm. song's great i have to have a playlist where it fits otherwise it doesn't make sense and so i i'm constantly making new playlists and sharing them just so i can approve more music that i like and i guess with a but the blog, you probably don't like you wouldn't cover like progressive metal on Indie Shuffle, you know, <laughs> probably not. But we've got a pretty broad range. I mean, no, that's it. There's a, 
there's 140 genres on Submit Hub, and I think we've only got 15 of them for Indie Shuffle. So actually, we are much yeah. smaller. Um, we tend to focus a lot more on like down-tempo electronic, indie rock, and, and lo-fi steady beats. That's our, our niche right now. Yeah. Um, and you're right. Yeah, we wouldn't really put a, a, like a DJ end or a progressive metal type of song on our homepage. It just doesn't really yeah, fit our vibe. Yeah. Um, so uh, look, the, at the end of the day, if you're an artist using Submit Hub, I always encourage folks to sort of set their expectations pretty low. It's a, it's a really efficient communication tool. It's way cheaper than hiring a publicist. Yeah. But given the amount of other artists on there competing against you, so to speak, it's, it's an uphill battle, right? And, and for some people, it ends up having great results. But I think for a very not insignificant number of artists, it can be quite difficult. Yeah. Um, but you know what? There's some other tools as well on Submit Hub. There's like the Hot or Not feature, which is actually free and fantastic for artists. So you get right. your song rated by other artists. Um, and then, and then the other one I wanted to point out, I mean, you mentioned 10% of the budget towards Submit Hub is good. And if an artist is doing that, I'm actually going to suggest that they should be focused on the blogs in the really good bloggers category rather than looking at playlists. Because, I mean, you point out advertising can be pretty good for driving focused listeners to your songs. Right. Um, blogs might not have as many listeners, but when someone writes about your song, it shows up on Google and... It gives you some press to share with your existing fan base. It gives you some press to share with potential bookings. It's got a much longer lifespan and, and it can't really be bought. Very few right. blogs out there sell placement and any of them that do, you should probably steer clear of. Yeah. But <laughs> if you get a nice write up from a blog, it means that when someone searches your name, it's not just going to be a bunch of song aggregators showing up like SoundCloud, Spotify, Heck, yeah. I even see artists who like their top result is their DistroKid page. <laughs> That's lame, man. Don't you want? Do you want? I mean, you want some content, right? You want someone yeah. writing about you and a story behind it, and and those stories stick around. So you know, you get your blog post or indie shuffle, and you go, whoop de doo I got ten plays. But you know, three years later, hey, the blog post is still up, and it still shows up when people search for you, and it's still yeah. there. So submit up has a lot of different routes you can go. Um, personally, and I'm totally biased here as a blogger, but I think blogs are still <laughs> totally cool and relevant and useful as an artist if utilized properly. Yeah, and I, that's actually one thing I was going to bring up next, asking you which which type of curator you thought was like the most valuable for artists. And I, I totally agree. I mean, obviously, it depends on the, the circumstance of the artist, but um, in, in a lot of cases, I think blogs because even if they might not have the biggest reach in terms of just or getting streams, they usually have pretty diehard followings, like people that read them every day or every week. And it's much better to have that story that you can share with your fans and also to attract those diehard fans that are going to not just like listen to your song and never hear you again, but listen to your song, add it to their library, uh, add it to their own playlist you know, that they listen to every day, follow you, and then listen to every future song. Like, that's way more valuable than getting 100 streams from some random playlist. And Yep. <laughs> I, I, I tend to be a little skeptical with the playlists because they, um, if I think about the way that I consume playlists, I rarely pay attention to what I'm listening to. Yeah. Put it on the background, hit play, and that's it. I've got no engagement with the artist. If you ask me, especially on these lo-fi 
beats types of playlists. If you ask me who I'm listening to, I'll be like, well, I recognize the song, but I have you have no idea, no clue who it is, right? Yeah. And there's no way I would show up at one of their concert. Not that anyone tours down in South Africa, but um, you know, if I was living in the states, there's no way I would show up because I probably don't even recognize them. And so. Spotify playlists are great for for bumping up your streams and you can make some money off of it too if you get into a few yeah. big enough ones. Um, and of course, you know, the holy grail I think so many artists are striving towards is getting placement in an editorial playlist. Right. But even that is a temporary blessing. Like you get yeah. your boost, they take you out and you're flat again. And so personally, I'm skeptical when it comes to the power of Spotify playlists. That's not to say they don't work for some people. But if I was an artist promoting my music, I would probably steer clear away from focusing on how many monthly listeners I have on Spotify. Right. Um, there's, uh, there's the idea of, of generating a thousand true fans, which I think is a much better tactic to pursue. And it sounds like one that, that you're sort of pushing people towards. Yeah. You want to find people who really engage with, know who you are, listen to music, want to follow your journey, and are going to yeah. be there to buy tickets when you show up in their city. Um, and that's, it's, it's both incredibly difficult to accomplish, but also never been easier than in 2020. Right. Like the internet allows you to reach so many more people, but you have to fight through so much more noise. And so similarly, I suppose SubmitHub allows you to reach so many curators, but at the end of the day, you're probably gonna walk away, hopefully if your song doesn't suck, like building relationships with a handful of them. And that's what you're looking for. Yeah. Um, and so I think a lot of people sort of get confused and they're like, you know, I sent it out to a hundred people, surely at least 50 of them are going to share it. And it's like, no. <laughs> That's a pipe dream. <laughs> yeah. Like maybe, maybe 10 of them will share it and, and, you know, seven or eight of those will actually move the needle a little bit, but hopefully you've gen, you created some relationships in the process, people you can send your music to again and their fan base as well. Um, and you might walk away spending $100 on a campaign and come out of it with 50 new fans, but that's actually a pretty big win. If you can pull off 50 true fans for $100, you're probably doing something pretty well. Yeah, um, especially I mean, given how much choice there is today. <laughs> Loyalty, who's gonna be loyal? I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, so you're just moving on to the next thing, you right? You brought up like one awesome thing that I bring up a ton on my on my YouTube channel. Um, when you when you started off saying you know that you're skeptical skeptical about the playlist because of how you consume them, and I've been saying this for for like all of this year, like on on probably a dozen videos that playlist listeners are not your fans. Like they they might rack up your monthly listener count, but most people. They're, they just click a song and listen through a playlist and they might never even look at their phone because they're working out or working or, or whatever. Yeah. And that's how I consume playlists. That's how you consume playlists. And, you know, you and you and I, are, are, I would assume, are good indicators of, like, hardcore music fans. I mean, you run a <laughs> the biggest music fan, like, curation site out there. And, and I, I listen to a ton of music as an artist. And um, I'm always telling people that you like playlists are good for kind of boosting your your song like if you're already using facebook ads um getting those extra streams on the first week with also having those actual people kind of like engaging with the song those extra streams can yeah. help you trigger like an algorithmic um playlist boost but 
the, the nice thing with that kind of playlist activity is that it can last like a year versus like an editorial playlist or a user playlist. It's usually like a, a month. So the, the value of a playlist, it's, it's completely different from the value of like sending people to your Spotify be, just because of that way that playlists work. They, they're great at getting you super cheap streams and, and maybe even profit on the streams alone, but they're not so great at actually getting followers and, and actual fans that would like buy your t-shirt or <laughs> come to your show or whatever. I think I got to agree. I mean, there's some playlists I love and, and I'm sure those artists are making, you know, 10, 15, $20 a month from it. But yeah, it's like, I mean, it's cares, not your you know, true fan. Like <laughs> about 10, $15 so, a month, you know, different, different strokes for different folks, right? Some people, some people are, are very fixated on those numbers. Yeah. And and don't get me wrong, there are actually a lot of people making a living from their Spotify streams more than ever. But at the same time, that the fraction or the percentage of actual artists out there doing that is still quite difficult, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, if I were to pull numbers out of a hat, I would say probably 3 to 4% of artists out there are generating enough income on Spotify to pay rent. Yeah, and like I, and, I have... And a, that's maybe generous. I made but that means 97% are not... And you need like 350,000 streams a month to make federal United States minimum wage. <laughs> so that's, that's. But I'm, there's a lot of people doing that, right? There are a there lot are, of people yeah. doing that, but 97 to 98% of artists are not doing it. Um, yeah. And, and many of, of them are focused on trying to accomplish it when in reality, it's going to be difficult, if not ephemeral, so to speak. Like you, you hit your numbers and then as soon as, someone pulls you from their big playlist it's done it's over yeah um so most of those artists who are that i know who are who are doing that released really great albums generated a huge blog coverage wave from it that lost it as a result of their blog coverage wave they charted on hype machine then the spotify editorial folks started to put, pick it up and then they put it in more of their long-term editorial playlist because those there's there's like ones that have a much higher turnover and then there's somewhere they just sort of like set it and forget it yeah. um right and i've got access to a few artist dashboards from from artists who have made it so to speak where they're earning like three four five thousand dollars a month from streams and right. it's been two to three years of consistently sort of the same playlists and the same things generating it for them and that's wow it's 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 rare but they've they have pulled off something really special and they created a sound and an album that resonated with enough people that they were able to generate the fan base um right. it's hard man like, and and most of the artists i can think of did that before 2020. Mm. yeah like, it's almost it's harder today right now i mean the cat's out of the bag back yeah. in 2015 or 2016 if you were savvy you could hop on here get a whole bunch of blog coverage Man, if you were using Submit Hub back in 2016, 2017, you were probably seeing the needle move more than you would yeah. today, right? Yeah, um, I, like <laughs> being being a, a you know being on the platform as like accepting submissions. I've you know I've only been doing it for a couple months, and and at first it was like I I, I my perspective has changed on what it is because it's 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 not only like someone has to have a great song, they have to fit the playlist. But it's also, as you said earlier, like people are competing against each other. So the more people submit, like I don't want to add 50 independent or like small artists to a playlist because then it's like no one knows any of the songs in the playlist. And that kind of diminishes the, the value of it. And 
so in a way, you're kind of like competing artists against each other. Um, not you, not SubmitHub, but like yeah. the, the, the artists are like competing against each other. So if in 2015, yeah. jumping on, on SubmitHub as an artist, like you probably, you wouldn't be getting these 10% approval ratings on average. You might get a lot higher, I would think. Actually, it was, it was closer to 10% still. Okay. Yeah. So I guess that's good. It's, so that means the, the curators were. It's at an all time high right now. It's at 13%. And I think a lot of that's actually been driven up by the Instagram influencers who tend to approve a lot oh, more. Yeah. Um, the blogs are still notoriously picky. And if I were to rank it, I would say like YouTube channels, most picky, blogs, Spotify influencers, yeah. something like that. Um, it's. Look, it's difficult and it's become more and more and more and more difficult. The, the more internet savvy everyone becomes and the more available all of these resources are, it means the more people you're competing against. Um, right. And it's not just about getting your music out there, but I mean, creating music has never been easier and mixing, mastering and releasing a great song has never been easier. So, you know, flashback 20 years ago, if you wanted to release a, a song, you had to have a record label that could help distribute that song for you and get it on all these things. and. God knows how the internet works, any of that stuff. Um, and today, it's just like, you know, anyone can just go sign up on DistroKid, put their song on, boom, it's on all platforms, use SubmitHub, spend $100, boom. Right. And so, I mean, SubmitHub exists not because the concept was, oh, we should find a way to take money from artists. It was more like, whoa, as curators, you know, we love listening to music and we want to share it, but holy shit, there's a lot of you right now. Yeah. Like, like ease off. And so the reason SubmitHub works is because of that, the premium credits and that, and that little bit of money, it, it, it justifies the time spent as a curator. You're going, you know, there's a balance. I don't want to take a bunch of money from artists. I'm doing this for the love of it. But at the same time, you can't expect me to sit down for three hours a day, every day outside of my job and deal with this shit. Um, <laughs> so there's two sides to a coin. And I, I think, you know, for an artist, it's very frustrating and you've put so much love and work into your song and you just want people to hear it and listen to it. And then you, you send your song out to the big bad curators and they shit all over it <laughs> with their lack of expertise. Cause most of them actually don't have any technical background. They just love music, right? Yeah. They just listen to lots of it. But when it comes to like picking apart a song, they are helpless, myself included. Um, <laughs> And, and so that sucks from the artist's perspective. And then from the curator's perspective, you're like, I just want to find good music and share it, but I'm bombarded. So it's yeah. a tricky thing to balance on Submit Hub. And like going back to the beginning of this conversation, you mentioned artists will come to you and some will say, I've had success. And others will be like, it's a total ripoff and a scam. And, and it's, man, I'm just on Twitter right now, like going back and forth with these guys who are poopy heads, but they're <laughs> hell bent on just ruining my day every day about like anytime someone tweets about submit hub they'll jump in and, and just go on about like oh just wait for jason to come and defend this with his shitty platform i'm like i just made a tool for people to connect and it's got its ups and downs but at the yeah. end of the day yeah i mean i at the end of the day it's a much <sighs> better solution than email like I, a lot of the artists that are probably crapping on on submit hub on twitter like for example they probably have never tried to go on spotify look up a playlist, try to dig up contact information about them, go on to email and write them a nice pitch and then keep track of all that. Like it's, it takes a lot more work to pitch via email for the artist than it does for them to pitch via submit hub. And then it also takes way more work from the curator to accept those pitches and sort them on their end too. So 
all you're for really nothing, doing right? is just yeah and and for nothing it and instead of like with submit hub you're getting a guaranteed feedback for that cost assuming you choose the feedback option and you um, should always yeah never choose the 90 second i tell people never, never choose, choose the 90 second which yeah. a lot of people do <laughs> which so choose the 90 second I've even when when people choose that option i even have a little pop up that appears that says don't choose this it's like yeah. right there under the you choose the button it says oh i want 90 second and then like a little red line that says reconsider your choice um <laughs> and people still do um it's it's weird but like the the perspective on the curator side it's like well you know one this person doesn't care to hear what i have to say two i don't have to think about what i feel about the song because i don't have to write about it uh and so it's like an easy mode for for everyone because the, the artist doesn't have to hear that hard feedback but then the curator doesn't get to reconsider their decision. And I've had a lot of songs where yeah. I'm writing like, well, I'm like the production was good and the vocals were good, but I didn't really like the hook. And then like the chorus starts playing or a different part of the song. And I'm like, well, I like the hook, but I didn't like this hook. And then I'm like, N I like this song. And then I delete that and then I hit yeah. accept. You kind of convince yourself uh, throughout the song. And I think that's- It happens. Yeah, it's common. It's like you, every, the, every like- the, the... Approval percentage between the two is big as well. 92nd has a 5% approval rate and the feedback one has a 14% or something. Oh, that's, that's huge. Um, yeah, it, it's almost like you're three times more likely to be approved with a feedback option than a 92nd one. And it's for the exact reason you just described, where 92nd songs don't ask the blogger to be engaged at all. And, and as you point out, like you start listening to a song and you start writing your feedback in real time, and yeah. when you hit those 90 second ones, you're like ready to write your feedback and you don't have to. So then you open up Reddit. You're like, oh, what's going on over here? Oh, holy shit, Trump tweeted what? <laughs> and, then, uh, and then you're like, wait, what did I just listen to? Uh, I can't even remember. But if I can't remember, it probably wasn't that good. So bye-bye. Yeah. And then you, you did add some ways to make it a little more engaged. Like you made it so you have to listen to the 90 seconds within the last five minutes or something. Um, yeah, because I wanted to make sure that people didn't. Wh what I noticed some curators doing is they would skip through all of their submissions, try to identify which ones are 90 seconds because it's not obvious. Yeah. And then, uh, then they would play all of those in the background uh and go away for dinner or something come back and just decline all of them so had to had to stop that one real quick um so yeah as you point out with the 90 second ones you have to make a decision pretty quickly otherwise that that timer sort of resets and you have to listen to it again yeah yeah and i i i feel like a lot of artists probably don't realize that almost everything you do in the platform is it's designed around making sure that artists are getting their fair credit spent like it's it's not it's it's not designed to like milk artists it's designed to make it as good as possible for artists through like that 90 seconds in the last five minutes and through requiring feedback and rejecting all copy and pasting uh and it's, we spend a lot of time um reviewing feedback as well and and giving tips on how to improve it so um anytime someone requests a cash out as a curator we actually do a review of their feedback to make sure everything is looking so so yeah. um and we're not asking too much, but we're definitely looking for people who are giving generic responses or just being mean and that type of stuff, and then we'll coach them through it. So there's a lot of work that goes into balancing both of them, and nothing really stings me more than when someone calls it a scam. I'm like, yeah. God damn it. Um, 
and I try to engage and talk to them and, and often they're actually receptive and they're like, yeah, you know what, it's just tough, you know, facing that much rejection. And I don't have a good solution for that. It's, it's kind of the reality of it, but yeah. I think what ultimately, ultimately what I'm hoping Submit Hub does is just make the, the, the process easy and transparent. So you know what you're getting up front. Um, and one of the things you should know you're getting up front is a lot of rejection. Yeah. You're going to get it. Even the best get it. Um, and there's some pretty big artists who use Submit Hub. Um, yeah. The chain smokers themselves use it. Uh, and they, when, you know, when they put a, th a song through there, they're going to hit number one on the popular chart with like a 70% rejection rate. Wow. So like the best of the best will get a 30% approval rate. So even, yeah. even like, a, and, and I mean, it, it's not shocking, right? Not everyone likes the chain smokers. Um, right. Yeah, and some people will just straight up reject them because they're the chain smokers. <laughs> um, yeah. Then, then they can go on their Twitter and say like, I rejected the chain smokers, <laughs> you know? Yeah, <laughs> totally. Like um, but the bloggers also get really excited. Um, you'll often see in the bloggers chat, just people being like, yo, did anyone get the a submission from so-and-so? I'm so stoked. And I'll be like, who the, who is that? Yeah, I don't even know, and, and it just gets to the point of like how many artists and how many niches, and um, like someone on Twitter today was complaining about how Submit Hub is all just commercial pop, and I was like, nah, it isn't. There's like eight subgenres of metal, yeah, and there's curators within it, and sure, you don't see those songs breaking into the popular chart, but did you expect them to? Right. It doesn't mean that there's not a niche or, or a market for it. Um, so it's, it's broad, man. It, in a way, it's like a subset of, you know, you got your mom and your dad, you play your music for them, they love it. They'll tell you they love it, at least. Um, but when you get on Submit Hub, it's your first time almost facing a broader audience yeah. and, and really putting it in front of people who probably aren't going to like it because that's just, like, go, go play your favorite songs for a, a random group of people and most of them are going to be like, that's cool, but yo, you should check out this song. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's okay. Yeah. It's, it's like when you excitedly show someone a YouTube channel and you're like, hold on, it's coming. Yeah. It's coming. Uh, and then as you're watching it, you're like, man, this was so much better when I watched it by myself. Um, <laughs> but in a way, jumping on Submit Hub is a bit like that as an artist. You're sending your song out there, you're throwing it into the gauntlet. And even if you do really well with your targeting, you're still just going to encounter a bunch of people who didn't like it. Right. And, and rather than focus on them, focus on the people who do like it. Or if no one's liking it on Submit Hub, either you know, reconsider your song or maybe just find a different audience. Like maybe it's just non-intimate. Maybe you'll do better on Reddit. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. E even on Facebook ads, you know, it's, it's common to, um, you know, there's, there's a number called impressions, which I'm sure you're, you're familiar with, um, you know, how many times something's shown in like a search engine or whatever. And then there's, there's clicks, which are people who go through and actually check out the song. You might, you know, you're running ads and you're paying for impressions, but you might get down to like a 10 cent, click rate or, or conversion on your song but for every time someone clicks you might have like a thousand people who saw your ad and didn't click um and it's not mm. that bad it might be like 100 to 1 or 200 to 1 but that alone kind of shows you that even even if you consider your song highly produced and very good and people who like your music love it you're still gonna miss like 99 percent of the time you know <laughs> And it's, yeah. it's the same for Submit Hub, and I guess would probably prevent. Well, look, not ninety nine. You're gonna miss eighty seven percent of the time. <laughs> yeah, it's you're a, right. Let's not say ninety nine, but um, it yeah. can be as difficult, and, and there are parallels to be drawn there. You're right. 
Yeah, and it's it's that I think with with um, so Midhub it's probably better one because like there's people who are looking for new music. With Facebook ads, you you might not be putting your song in front of people who are looking for new music. Like yeah. I'm I'm on there because I want to help smaller artists get on my playlist and get get streams. Like that's that's what I do in my YouTube channel. It's all about helping helping artists. So I want to find those songs that I like that fit the fit the thing. But on Facebook, it's like you might hit some 15 year old who's like. I'm about to go play basketball with my friends and like, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot less uh, specific, I think. Yeah. 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 Um, but, and sometimes that makes it even harder on some Hub because you're just dealing with a bunch of people who are very particular about their music. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Look, it's, it's, it's uh, going to be five years old this year. It's gone through a lot. It's constantly changing, adapting. I'm still the, the developer on it and I've, I'm pretty much pushing updates every day. Um, yeah. So I hope it gets better and better. We've got some cool ideas for for ways we can grow it in the future. And, and our, our goal here is to try and make it valuable for both sides. But I continually emphasize that we cannot promise success. And, and I totally understand that artists can do much better elsewhere. That's just the way, that, like, it's like throwing spaghetti at a wall and seeing what sticks, right? I mean, yeah. someone might blow up over here, and then you're like, well, I'm going to go do that, and you have no luck with that. Um, <laughs> so not everything's going to work the same for different people. Yeah. Um, and there are a lot of artists for which Submit Hub has been great and, and has helped them, and they keep coming back to it. And then there are those Twitter trolls out there who tried it once, couldn't handle the rejection, <laughs> and spend their days shitting all over me. And... Fair game to them. I'd like to see the product they can build. Um, right. But yeah. they're, they're not gone. <laughs> well, so one thing I was wondering about yeah. SubmitHub is is you coded it from scratch in like Node.js, right? Or use like some some library. Yeah, this, the stack is um, Node.js, MongoDB, and React. Okay. Uh, and it's all tied together with a uh, software called Meteor, which is basically just a platform that that makes the communication between those easier so they take care of i mean they use node.js to pull from your database and bring it all to the front end um and they've got a couple different ways that you can pull your data you can either do just straight up like instantaneous pulls from the database but you can also open up a socket and monitor new stuff which is how the chat rooms work so you get sort of real-time updates back and forth yeah so it's pretty cool and it's great because out of the box you don't actually need to fiddle with that much it just works it just brings those three together yeah. um so i don't need to understand much about setting up the the node server like i spend so much time with indie shuffle server side trying to figure out nginx and jesus like all those configurations and i don't have to do that anymore um media just sort of takes care of it so so i spend most of my time either in mongodb or react um and then media has written some really easy code for me to just pull between the two so yeah. are, are you 100 like self-taught in in programming because you, you didn't go to school for for 100 percent, right 100 percent. 100 percent. yeah um so <laughs> yeah everything awesome. you see on cement hub has sort of been coded from scratch which is one of the the cooler parts about doing it um was i, I got to build it for this purpose right so it's it's completely built up from the ground with exactly this in mind yeah um and at this point, it's a beast. <laughs> like one day, ultimately, I'm going to have to bring in other developers, right? Because um, right. 
either the company's going to get, there's just going to be so much that I won't be able to keep up with it. Or like at some point I'm just going to burn myself out. And so one day I'm going to have to bring in more developers and I cannot wrap my head around how that's going to work. Yeah. I would imagine that since you started it from scratch for your needs, you didn't necessarily write the code in a, like a super organized commented manner. No, someone no. else could it's, um, get into. It's very uh, ad hoc, if you will. So we'll have like, I'll have an idea. I'll be like, oh shit, we should do this. Or this needs to happen or this. And, and I would say my code is pretty well written because I had been writing for, you know, I've been, I've been playing around with Indie Shuffle's code for a while. So my code's not shit, but there's actually just so much of it. And the way it all interacts and works together, it'd be, it's, it's sometimes, I'd, especially like the Spotify stuff, man, keeping track of playlist growth and listener data and all that shit. Like oh, there's just yeah. so much I'll look at my code and be like, wait, what's happening where? And why has that stopped working? Because you have to integrate oh, shit, with the Spotify here? API. It's, it's kind of like you, you have to work. There's, yeah, but their API only gives you so much information. So we got a whole bunch of other, like, where do your listener numbers come from? Huh? How, how, do you, how do you find out the estimated listeners on a track? I don't think I should tell you. <laughs> do you use like Chartmetric <laughs> or something? Because they, they have an estimate tool for that too. Their estimate was from SubmitHub. Um, oh. <laughs> no, not really. So uh, top metric was basically uh, looking at the discovered on section that used to be on each artist page and it would show you how many listeners they have. So they brought on an intern to manually go and look at that data. Ooh. If you look at their stuff, it's actually pretty spotty and quite outdated. Okay. I don't know. I mean, have they got data on your playlist? They don't. It, it seems to only be large playlists that they have that data for. Yeah, and maybe also um, playlists that you would find on SubmitHub because SubmitHub published it so they could easily just go and plug it into their database as well. Um, huh. I, yeah, they don't, have a, they don't have a secret way of doing it. Um, <laughs> I do. Okay. Are, are, you, are you keeping it yeah. a secret? <laughs> um, yeah, sure. We, I mean, we have, we have quite a few ways of doing it. One, one way is to actually ask artists who have been shared by playlists to give us insights into their Spotify data. Okay. So yeah. a month after being shared, we'll reach out to them and say, hey, how many plays did you get for that share? And they'll give us their data from their Spotify artist dashboard and we'll give them some credits. Um, oh, that's, that's a super So that's nice one way. technique we use. We've got, um, we've got three different uh, sources of data. Um, some of it is... Um, non-public data that we shouldn't have and then the other one is just really clever but that that one i'm not going to tell because other people could figure it out but yeah um okay it's 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 hard to know 100 percent for sure with those numbers but what i what we're trying to do is paint an accurate picture of what an artist can anticipate if they do get picked up by the playlist yeah and we often encounter a fair bit of frustration from playlisters because many of them do represent or work with artists and they do have access to the insights and they can see that the numbers are maybe higher than what right. we're publishing. And usually the explanation is because they put their own artists in the top slots. Of course, yeah. Um, <laughs> for a longer period of time, but the artists from SubmitHub, they put towards the end and they only share for a week or two. So the numbers we're trying to show are, I, I hope, reflective of what the average artist shared by a SubmitHub would experience on that playlist.
Yeah, I, um, I, in my experience, like the, the ones you have for my playlists have been very accurate because wh what I do with mine is like I initially made all my playlists to promote my own music. And the way I did that is like I put usually my songs in the top three and then every 10 songs I have one of my songs, depending on the playlist. Um, and then so I like when I look at my Spotify for artists, I can see at every point in the playlist, like what's the drop off. Um, and mm. the yeah, it's a good way of tracking like when, you know, I can kind of I mean, I don't like tell people what streams they could expect but like i could i know if i put someone at slot 20 that my song it's at position 21 gets roughly this many streams and um every time i've looked at the submit update it's been like yeah that's pretty much pretty much what i get so you know i don't know if you, you that's pulled, good to know <laughs> yeah I, I don't know if you you pulled someone on like one of my playlists or or with one of your secret methods but it seems to do a pretty good job so good job on that i guess <laughs> yeah Look, I really wish Spotify would just come out and give everyone those numbers. And I think it would yeah. solve a lot of their issues with with payola and fake stuff going on. Um, I know that they have on there and they have access to data around how many streams each song is getting from each playlist in each position. But they also have some good ones that, uh, for example, what percentage of the listeners are premium versus uh, non-premium? And what percentage of the listeners come from this specific region versus that region? But there, I mean, there's some good techniques that we use for spotting fake playlisters when they apply. Uh, you know, one dead giveaway tends to be if the artists in their playlist are getting all their streams from uh, a few cities in the U.S. Hmm. Believe it or not, yeah. So That's you would think fake players are actually coming from like Bangladesh or yeah, yeah, or Egypt, but they're not. They're coming from Virginia, and they'll all like you'll open up the artist and you'll be like, wow. Seven of the artists in your playlist all have their number one city as Roanoke, Virginia. But uh, this artist from Brazil, this one's from Australia, this one's from here. And it's like, huh. pretty sure there's something shady going on. And yeah, I think yeah. it's actually because bots are, are actually pretty cheap from the States, from from wow. the Spotify standpoint. Um, yeah. Yeah, they don't need to be from India because they're not real people. That's so true, it's yeah. just set up on Amazon servers in, in various different places. Um, Man, that's nuts. Yeah, you, you wouldn't expect that as you know you usually people talk no. about bots come from india or they come from like france or you know you don't say yeah bots. so so one thing i've seen people do is they will um okay so so the way you can set up one of these fake networks uh which i have not done but i'm pretty sure this is how uh there's a guy who told me this is how he did it he went on mechanical took which is an amazon service for hiring people for cheap Right. Uh, and he set up a micro task where he created a page where people could connect their Spotify account. You might have encountered that if you ever use a, a service like Soundplate where you fo follow to submit. Yeah. Those are those are trash because yeah. the playlists are full of people who don't actually listen. Yeah. But but the idea is that you connect with the Spotify button and now they've got your credentials, right? And so they can follow that playlist on your behalf and God knows what else they're going to do. This guy created a mechanical Turk task and he basically said, uh, I'll pay you 50 cents if you connect your Spotify here. And he got hmm. 500 people, mechanical tokers, to just log in and connect their account. Wow. And those people clearly didn't care too much, right? They just won 50 cents. Yeah. And now he's got all their authentication details. And so when he runs his scripts to like listen and follow and play and generate all this user data, um, rather than all coming from one account, which is a huge red flag from the botting side, He's actually got, he's cycling through like 500 unique listeners who all have real accounts from different areas. They all just happen to be listening. And so he was using wow. Spotify's API, passing those credentials, playing the songs, and then coming back. And, and 
Um, I mean, as, as, generating as horrible as that is, like, that guy sounds... It's, it's horrible as it is, that guy's super clever. Like, that's a very unique scam. Yeah, <laughs> what's his name? Shane, Shane Harris. Uh, I think he was part of Earmilk at one point. But he's a very clever publicist, and, and he's also got a technical background. So he whipped this up and coded it himself. Wow. And he went on an epic Twitter, Twitter storm, tweet storm, where he basically laid out exactly... He was like, not saying I've done this, but hypothetically, here's how you do it. And then he wrote, like, you know, a step-by-step, step, and that was kind of his thing. And then uh, a day later, he deleted it all, um, I wow. guess. I don't know, but it, it was very clever. And, and it's actually a good way of... So, so I guess my point here is that the, what people assume to be botting is a bit more sophisticated in many cases. You'll probably still encounter lots of shit. Like if you ever find one where they're like, oh yeah, we'll get 500 people to follow you for 50 bucks. Yeah. Has something to do with that. But the fact that that he was really clever in the way, he didn't go out and create a bunch of fake accounts himself. He got real people to connect their real accounts, many of which might've even been premium. And those people don't realize what they've just handed over. Right. They just don't get it. Um, <laughs> So anyway, we, we digress, but it's, it's a vastly complicated web out there. And um, yeah, I, I, I have some confidence in our numbers, um, but I cannot sit here and tell you with 100% confidence that all of our playlisters are behaving because it's next to impossible to prove. Yeah. Um, in, in the very example I gave you, like, how do you bust that? As an outsider, you couldn't. Like, if you're an artist, you log into the dashboard, you would see like the listeners are from all over the place. Spotify's paying you, right? Because they're going to yeah. pay you royalties on that. If they can't tell it's a bot, there, yeah, uh, they're getting paid for all this, all this fake activity. So the artist, I mean, they might not realize it's fake, but in some circumstances, they might not necessarily care, especially if it's blended in with a whole bunch of real data. It's yeah, um, but so it's it's tough to tell, man, and. Um, yeah, I don't know what the answer is. Yeah, yeah it's... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there's... I, I, we, we're just trying to give the data. I, I can say in, in, like, my experience, like, being an artist and submitting on SubmitHub, like, I've had, I've had some great experiences and I've had some bad experiences, like, where I get put on a playlist and there's, like, a thousand songs on it and I'm, like, song 999. But for every one of those, there's, like, you know, a lot more that are... You know, yeah. they have, like, a playlist with 120 songs on it, which is a, kind of a normal that's a bigger side, but it's, it's a normal playlist and it's like songs 50 and it gets a good amount of streams. It's not like a million streams, but it's not like five streams. Um, yeah. and every so often you get on one that's super good, you know, top 10. The data's playlists. all there before you send to them. It, it shows you on submit hub where they typically share and how many plays they get. So you can, right. Before you even dive in, you can see like, Oh, this guy always approves for a playlist with 500 tracks. Steer clear. Right. And I, I, I love the, the warnings that you guys give like, uh, often doesn't share to main channel or has low engagement or is like one there's one that says like is slowly losing followers might not have good engagement or like is yeah. gaining followers too fast might be using bots uh, and that one has been really tricky and i had to get rid of that one yeah i i, I saw it on mine for a bit and i was like what because <laughs> i i you know so this is, I mean, this is, uh, 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 you know, we're trying to code as many solutions as we can here. And, and there are, there's sketchy growth, like there's normal growth and then there's really fast growth. Yeah. And it's hard to explain what the really fast growth is. And actually it turns out these days, um, and by these days, I mean, within the last like six months, everyone has realized 
they should just be doing Instagram ads for their playlists. And so you do see a lot of guys growing very quickly, but it's seemingly legit. And um, yeah, I mean, yeah, and that's I mean, an entirely legit so the, way to, to grow a playlist is just to run ads on it like yeah. you would a song. And, and they're reinvesting their submit hub earnings into it. So they're like playing yeah. a, a net zero game here. Um, cool. I earned, you know, a hundred dollars this month. I'm just going to reinvest that into ads so that hopefully more people will submit to me next month because I look better. And, and it works. Um, I mean, it does you generating plays for artists. They are real. I mean, they're using Facebook and Instagram ads. Um, maybe they're all from South America, but still it doesn't matter at the end of the day. And, um, so I, I ended up having to kind of get rid of that note because of the amount of times that people would come to me and be like, this is bullshit, man. Here's all my screenshots from my ad dashboard and you're, you're slandering me. We're going to sue you. And I was like, sue me. What are you going to sue me for? Um, I mean, when, when, when I saw that warning on mine, I was just like, like who, who, I mean, like, I, I guess it looks a little sketchy to an artist, but like I've submitted to people who have that warning. Cause I, I guess I just understand that there's a million ways that you could have fast growth, whether it be ads or, yeah. or like they have a YouTube channel and they just shared their playlist or to their Instagram account with a hundred thousand followers. They just shared a playlist. They might get a lot of growth and. I don't know. It, it never stood out to me as necessarily fake. I, I think a warning there would be good, but maybe not say like bots, maybe just say like is growing faster, but. But then, but then, you know, when you put a, it's tricky language, right? Cause if you say they're growing really quickly, then maybe you're actually sending the signal that this is a great person you should send to. <laughs> right. um, that's true. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, I'm just thinking out loud here, but in, in a way that's, uh, I mean, maybe that's not wrong. Maybe they are actually a really good person to send to because they are driving a lot of traffic to their playlist. Yeah. 